your Locked On Canadiens, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. to episode 437 of Locked on Canadians. Before we get into this episode, we want to tell you about the special that we're doing with the top 50 NHL players of this year. Who are this season's top 50 NHL players? You're going to find out on the Locked On NHL podcast. Joe DiBiase, Mike DiStefano, and Rachel Donner reveal the top 50 players as voted on by our local experts across the Locked On NHL network of podcasts. Subscribe to the Locked On NHL podcast on YouTube and turn your notifications on so that you never miss an episode. Now, Scott and I voted on this as well, and this week they're talking about the snubs and we've got some opinions as to what happened. So you're going to find out who the snubs are if you subscribe to the Locked On NHL podcast. In the meantime, we are here to talk about the Montreal Canadiens. And to do that, my name is Laura Saba. I'm one of your hosts and I'm joined, as always, by the wonderful Scott Matla. Scott, how are you doing today? I'm doing quite well in the new city now that I've settled in and such. It's uh. Now that the moving is mostly done, it's nice to kind of relax a little bit and get back to a somewhat normal routine anyways. So speaking of you, you've moved into Buffalo. And as of now, we're expecting a very prominent resident of Buffalo to be moving out very shortly. And uh, for those of our listeners who didn't see it the other week, uh, there's a blog or a podcast, was it, that paid for a billboard that said free Jack Eichel. <laughs> and Scott, you have now driven by this infamous billboard. Yeah, uh, Carly and myself were on our way to go get wings at Barbell Tavern in East Aurora. So we're heading down 190 South, and it is the closest billboard to the Key Bank Arena. There is a buffalo, like an actual buffalo, with Jack Eichel's haircut that says, <laughs> aren't injuries a pain or aren't trade requests a pain in the neck? Hashtag free Jack. It's hilarious to see because it's as close to the stadium as you can get. So it's one of those electronic billboards too. So it cycles through, but it is very noticeable when there's a Buffalo with blonde hair on a billboard. <laughs> so my hope is when I come home uh, back to Rochester for a day to, you know, pick up a few more small things is that I might be able to pull off and get a photo of it because I, I legitimately, like I knew it was real, but actually seeing it as a real thing is like, it's almost like a fever dream. I still can't believe it's a thing that's actually occurring right now. This whole situation has become so bizarre and it's gotten so convoluted. And really, Jack Eichel is at this point in the driver's seat because right now all the leverage belongs to the teams trying to trade for him, right? Everyone knows he, he wants out of Buffalo. His agents have made very public that uh, he and, and his 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 team, his entourage feel like the Sabres have mishandled his injury situation. And it's very clear that there is no reconciliation to be had. And so this is going to be a situation where Eichel wants out. We don't know necessarily what's going to happen if the puck drop starts, if, if we get to training camp, and even if, if the puck drops on the season, 
and Jack, Jack Eichel hasn't hasn't been traded yet, but it's clear that he wants out. And the thing is, he's such a good piece for any team to have. And he's young enough that a team can still get him and build around him. Uh, and he's old enough that he's been a veteran, that, that he could be considered a veteran and he could be. Well, I think he was, he's more considered in his prime at this point. Right. And he he just wants to succeed at this point. I think he wanted to succeed. He was miserable because they weren't succeeding. And then it got to a point where he no longer trusts the organization. And from if, if, and if, if like 1% of what his agents put out as PR people put out are true, then I would also understand that situation coupled with the fact that we know that the Pagulas in general, haven't necessarily been very transparent with the way that they run the organization. I personally feel like he's going to be out of there. And for our purposes, what we care about is, is there a chance that Jack Eichel could land in Montreal? Now, everyone who likes to talk about trades or free sign or free agent signings likes to throw in a Montreal or Toronto now and then. It's a good way to get a lot of eyes. It's a good way to get a lot of people talking. And behind all of that, there could even be a chance that, you know, Montreal or Toronto never even inquired about the player. Obviously, in this case, we're hoping that, you know, if, if you're a fan of either team, you're hoping that your GM tried to see what it takes to, to, to try and get him. But I, I've heard so many times that, you know, Montreal's in on Jack Eichel. Montreal's trying to see what's going on. And we heard about that for Taylor Hall last season. And it turned out they never even made a pitch. Yeah, and I think that's the thing is that everyone always wants their team to do the best, smartest thing. And unfortunately, there's 32 teams. Your team is not always going to do the best, smartest thing. Or if you're the Edmonton Oilers, they never do any of the good things in general. But there's so much... I I don't quite know where I'm at with this because it's very odd given all the circumstances around it that like, okay, is his neck fine? Is he good? Is he this? And it's just so oddly quiet that we haven't heard anything in a while. And I know that most of the insiders are vacationing up at their cottages and no one's actually working and yada, 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 but there hasn't been a lick of news about this. And when it gets quiet like this, is when I start thinking that Mark Bergevin is up to something because that's his whole MO is it's quiet. That's when the Canadians make a move, which makes me think maybe they are involved in this. It's we talked about the holdup of the Kotkaniemi contract on our mailbag. We just don't know. It's there's so much unknown right now that we just, everything's kind of at that weird standstill and no one knows what's happening now or what's happening next, I should say. And that's the thing. So if you're in charge of a team and you know what you're doing, there's a player like Jack Eichel that might become available. You do make the call. You do see what it would take. You do see if you have in your organization uh, pieces to send back. And that's also a reason that we've uh, kind of speculated as to why the Kotkaniemi deal isn't being done as well. We're waiting for all the other dominoes to fall. But at the same time, for the Canadians, like we've said before, there are two paths to take. So if they are in on Eichel, they do have what it takes. They do get the player. Then they're going to have to go all in much sooner than we think. And then if they don't, well, then there's no harm in letting some of the players that they're trying to develop, uh, develop at the NHL level together. Uh, I think that that's kind of the path that a lot of us would like them to take. I feel like as a fan base, now that 
that they've made it to the final and they didn't get the ultimate prize. We've had a taste of what that's like. And I think that as as fans overall, I, and you, you can you know email us or, or tweet us if you disagree with us, we're willing to have a little bit of patience. If next year they, they're on the cusp, if they're a bubble team, if they don't even make the playoffs or whatever, we have a little bit of patience because we would like them to develop a stronger core so that in the future, maybe two, three, four years from now, five years from now, that, that five-year window is, is what we're talking about. Well, we're talking two to three years, but we want, you know, five years from now, we want to be sitting around and we want to have a team that is a perennial contender that is, that always has a shot to make that final and to get that, that cup. I think, I think we're, we would be willing to not go all in uh, this season as a, as a fan base. I think we'd be pretty supportive now that we've had a taste of almost, almost the championship, you know, that all of that success was fun. We'd like to see it in repeat years and I think that there's absolutely nothing wrong that if if the Canadians have a shot at Eichel I think they should go for it because he is a phenomenal player he's that superstar talent that they've always been missing for many many years people keep talking about how that's why they're not succeeding and and if they don't get him that's it's not the end of the world and I don't think that the fan base as a whole will will begrudge them a couple more years of development if they're okay if they're mediocre if they just make the playoffs or if they just miss the playoffs but at the same time they're working on improving their young core that's going to be the stars of the future I think uh, and uh, for the rest of this episode it's going to be more of my chat with Jay Foster of the uh, Locked On Blue Jackets podcast and uh, we're going to have some more clips from Jay throughout the next couple of episodes you'll hear from myself and Scott again uh, on Wednesday in the meantime please enjoy my chat with Jay Foster of Locked On Blue Jackets but first it is that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half million dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest open now at Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus with our promo code locked on. That's if you sign up today and deposit, let's say, $100. You're getting a $100 bonus, so you have $200 to play with. Be sure to take advantage of the opening day super promo. Make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25. This is for new customers only when signing up and using promo code NFL100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait. And take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. As we said, you can head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 100% welcome bonus with our promo code LOCKED ON. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. A lot of trades sting for a lot of different reasons. You know, like the the Nick Felino trade, I hated. I understood it from a hockey point of view. You know, we got a first round pick for Toronto to. Um... Can I take this one? Can I? Take this <laughs> yeah, one? go for it. <laughs> for Toronto to go up three one on the Habs and then choke and then get eliminated by the quote unquote worst team to make the playoffs. I think they were actually, there were teams that were better than them that didn't make the playoffs. Um, But that's what happened. And Josh Anderson was instrumental in that. But the thing with, with Nick Foligno 
as well is that exactly like you said, like from a hockey perspective, it made sense. And obviously if I was, if I were Toronto, I might've done the same thing, except that reportedly his injury issues were known before that train went down. So mm-hmm. for me, that was not like, that was a mistake on Toronto's part, not because they got the wrong player, but they didn't either. They didn't do their due diligence or they disregarded the information. I think is the, is the big thing yeah. with that one. And it's, it's, it's one of those trades, isn't it? Of like, if Toronto had done the thing and won the cup, everyone would be like, wow, this is the best trade deadline trade that's ever been done. You know, they only paid a first round pick and Nick Foligno is exactly the kind of guy that teams love to pick up at the trade deadline. You know, he's got leadership, he's got grit, he's got intangibles, he's got all of these things that teams love. Unfortunately, you know, it didn't go Toronto's way because again, just to reiterate, they lost in the first round uh, after going up 3-1. But the 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 anderson Domi trade is a trade that's going to sting because it didn't make sense at the time because we are a team that needed offense and that's what Josh Anderson does. Max Domi, you know, I fully believe that he could be that 70 point guy that he was a couple of seasons ago. He wasn't going to do that in Columbus, not under John Tortorella. So it was, it was a really frustrating trade at the time. I was like, okay, I will be patient. I will give Max Domi a chance to make his case. And I was like, you know, we'll, we'll check in at the end of the season, see how Josh Anderson has done, see how Max Domi has done. And now I'm like, well, Josh Anderson made the Stanley Cup final and scored like 17 goals. Max Domi had, I think, eight goals and a bunch of really dumb penalties. And it just, it feels to me very much like, because obviously we all know who his his dad is. It feels very much like his dad would have been like, hey, if you're not going to be on the score sheet for goals, you better be on the score sheet for something else. Felt very much like at those times when his offense was struggling, he was going in there and like trying to do kind of what Brad Marchand does really well or Brendan Brendan Gallagher is a great example of it actually of if if things aren't going you know he he can do like just antagonize other teams into doing dumb stuff and Max Domi kind of looked like that's what he was trying to do like he would try and start scrums if there was you know a little scuffle at the goal he would go over there and cross-check some guy and it just kind of ended up most of the time with him not being able to antagonize anyone and just taking a dumb penalty instead of the, the desired effect, which is obviously, you know, to get another guy off the ice at least, or even, you know, get him on a retaliation penalty and you skate away grinning, which I feel like is what Brendan Gallagher does a lot of the time. Right. Um, and, and Max Domi could do if he didn't, if he didn't lose his head. Yeah. He's got a bad temper moment. on the ice and it's frustrating to watch because again, I, he is a better player than he was this season. I think. Um, I absolutely agree with you. Having watched him for a few years, I do think we do tend to put a lot of expectation on Max Domi because he's just not going to turn into, he was a 13th overall pick, if I'm not mistaken. He's not going to turn into the same kind of person that you expect to go up, you know, very so close to the top 10. Uh, I think, you know, they're expecting not even, they're not expecting elite talent from him or elite play from him They're And they're not expecting him to be a star. They're expecting him to be good. And there are a lot of people that are better than he is. So in context, he appears mediocre. And I don't necessarily think that he's totally mediocre, but I do think that we like as a whole, as hockey fans, we, we decided what he, what his ceiling was back when he got drafted. And then his inability to meet that ceiling has made us think that he's a disappointment. Whereas I do think that he's had seasons where he has been, and you have to look at the the situation he was in in Montreal as well. So not the season just before he was traded, or we can call that kind of the same season, but the one before that, 
they put him in a position to succeed and he was happy and he was thriving, right? It seems like when you don't put him in the position that he thinks he should be in, he does not know what to do with himself. And part of it, I think, will be mitigated by the fact that his coach isn't going to be John Tortorella anymore. Because mm-hmm. I can just picture Tortorella getting extremely impatient with him and saying, you know, you figure it out or something like that. And I think that Max Domi is the kind of person where you clearly need to be like, the reason that I'm playing you with this guy is that I expect this from him. And ironically, Dominique Ducharme, who's now the head coach in Montreal, would have been great with him because he has that uh, one of the things that he does is that every day when they when they do practice or training or talk about a game plan, there's a a brief one on one with each player saying, this is what I want from you. This is what I'm expecting from you. Or, you know, this is why I'm scratching you or this is why I'm putting you with this guy. And I think that Max Domi is the kind of player who benefits a lot from that because he's got playmaking ability and he, he does. There's definitely some in there. I just think that he doesn't know how to use it very well. And I think that some players just need to be coached at a different level than others. Like if you tell Shea Weber, go out there and do your thing, you know exactly what's going to happen. Shea Weber is going to go out there and he's going to be Shea Weber. Shea Weber knows what he's, what's expected of him. That's what he's going to do. He's going to bring it. And you know what you're up against when you're playing against him. With Max Domi, if you say go out there and be Max Domi, he's going to be like, well, what's that? You know, the yeah, conversation sure. is, is, isn't going to go that way. But you know that like, if you, if you drill it down to the true meaning, that's, that's how it's going to happen. And so I'm, I'm thinking that you know, if I want to, if I want to give Columbus fans a reason to be a bit more hopeful about next season, is that a different coach with a different approach who maybe is a bit more communicative mm-hmm. uh, might actually benefit him. And I think that's going to be the case with Patrick Liney as well. You know, he was, uh, he, there, there are a lot of reports about how he's like over hockey and all of that. I don't think so. I think he just got sick of playing where he was playing and how he was being played and all of that. And I think that he's also a kind of guy where like, if the coach knows what he can bring and communicates uh, effectively and doesn't try to pin p- pigeonhole him into something that he's not both Max Domi and Patrick Liney should be, thriving under that kind of a coach or at least attaining more of their potential yeah 100 percent. and i think that's part of the re- part of the reason we went with brad larson is that by all accounts he's much more of a a talker than than tortorella built bar is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar and they have so many delicious flavors there really is something to everyone if you talk to anybody who is loyal to built bar you'll know that we are all loyal to our particular flavors for example there's cherry barcia a lot of people love that my personal favorite is the salted caramel i know scott likes german chocolate and Honestly, sometimes they have these special edition flavors that top all of the ones that we are used to and that we're loyal to. Not only are they delicious, but they're good for you as well. There are 17 to 18 grams of protein in each built bar, and the calories range from 130 to 180. There's only four to five grams of sugar and four to five grams of net carbs in each bar, and they're all made with real chocolate. They are delicious. They are truly, truly delicious bars. And if you want to try any of them, you can go to built.com and enter promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. But I want to I wanna go back uh, just a little bit and talk about this idea of like mediocrity because like you're 100% right. Like that's, and that's something I talked about with Jack Bushman of Locked on Hawks. Actually, we were talking about the Seth Jones contract and he's 
never going to live up to that contract in the same way that Mitch Marner is a very, very good player. He's never going to live up to that $11 million contract. And I think Max Domi is kind of the same. Of where, I mean, we're only paying him, I want to say 5.25. Uh, he's a free agent next season. So we've, we've got him at 5.25 for the season. And I think that's too much money for the Max Domi that we got last season. If he manages to kind of pick up, if he plays better under Brad Larson, if he you know, manages to figure it out, then yeah, I'm happy to pay that much money for him. But the problem is, I think there's going to be a subset of people that will always think that Max Domi is bad because he's not doing as much as he is paid. Um, right. Which is kind of a, it's like, that's not, that's not his fault, you know? Oh. And it's, it's kind of the, the issue I have with people criticizing Mana. I mean, I love to criticize Mitch Mana. Like that's, I eat that up, but it's not his fault that, he's getting paid $11 million, you know? Exactly that. And you hit the nail right on the head. You know, there's a lot of guys that are like that. It's kind of the same thing as Carey Price gets a lot of, a lot of flack for his contract. And we saw him be a beast in the playoffs, but I mean, you know, as, as, as anyone does, you're a goalie yourself, that he's had inconsistent seasons Mm -hmm. in his thirties. Right. And it's, you know, you're on the wrong side of 30 when you're, when when you're Carey Price's age at this point, he just, he just had another birthday and he's had some injuries in his career. You, 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 you know what he makes, he makes 10 and a half million dollars a year. That's his cap hit. But at the same time, you don't blame Carey Price for asking for that kind of money or his agent. And you don't blame the Montreal Canadiens for giving it to him, right? Because Carey Price at that time was the best goaltender in the literal world. The only thing he hasn't won is a Stanley Cup. And that's something that, you know, they even made the final almost on his back, right? Like the Canadians got progressively better, but there were some moments where he was really keeping them in the game and all of that. Like he's one of the best goaltenders in the, in the, in the world still. He's not the best and he's had inconsistency. But every time people bring up the contract and it's like, well, you know what? Here's the thing. Like at the time he got ten and a half million dollars and... Montreal had no choice but to give that to him because everybody wanted Carey Price. And that was true. Like everybody wanted Carey Price and he needed to be paid like the best goaltender in the world. And at the same time, nobody can live up to that. Like the market right now where you're talking about ten and a half million dollars for a goalie or nine and a half million dollars for a defenseman or, or all of that, you know, people, people are throwing money at players. It's the players have to maximize their earnings because their careers are so short. We had Shayna Goldman from The Athletic on our show last week. She said the same thing, you know, like the players' careers are so short. It's not greedy. They're trying to maximize their earning because it, their careers could, you know, it could be over in five years. You're lucky if you get to 20 years in the NHL. And so you, you can't blame the player for wanting to set up their future that way. And you can't blame the team for paying that. It's, it's really a matter of NHL GMs can't help themselves. And then one does it. So everybody else does it. So Max Domi, again, he's making five and a half million dollars because that's what the market dictated at the time. Josh Anderson is making, I think it's 575. And that's what the market dictated at the time. You know, Seth Jones is, is being paid according to the market. And not only that, he set the market a whole bunch of players ended up a whole bunch of defensemen ended up making nine plus million dollars based on that contract right somebody yep. saw them they're like yeah and then not only that i mean we were seeing that and in montreal when we saw david savard's contract be, be, come in so economically so easily tradable so good we were so impressed because the market was just it was just out of this world when it came to defensemen this year and every year it's something right every year it's like people will look at a team that had like 
almost an amazing season, be completely torched by bad goaltending. And then that year, everybody overpays goaltenders. Or then, you know, they'll see something like the power forward from a few years ago. They're only maybe I want to say five or six true power forwards in the game right now. Everybody else is either two-way elite goal scorer uh, without being a power forward, all of that. But at the same time, at one point, you know, somebody won a Stanley Cup with two power forwards on it. Um, and and then all of a sudden, everybody wanted that, right? It follows trends. And so the thing with Max Domi, and, and I, and I want to, I, I know I'm like going in this convoluted direction right now. And I want to emphasize, I don't think Max Domi is a lazy player. I also don't think he's an incompetent player, but I do think that he's not one of those hockey smart players like Nick Suzuki is like for Montreal. When you're watching Nick Suzuki play, he's seeing one, two, three plays ahead, right? The same thing with Cole Caulfield. And and you put those two together. The reason that it's magic is that they could just read the play. They know what they need to do. It's very clear. And like the way that they have been brought up in hockey or the way that they've trained themselves or been trained in hockey was uh, to to sort of every aspect of their game that needed working on, they worked on it. And so they've amassed a more complete game. Whereas with Max Domi, he needs that direction. He needs somebody else to do the thinking and he's going to do the execution. So if the thinking or the idea person isn't clear with what he's supposed to execute, then he ends up not failing, but it's exactly like you said. He ends up not knowing what to do, and then he goes and ends up on the score sheet for the wrong reasons. And that very, very much describes Max Domi, but also a lot of players. There are very few players that are truly lazy in the NHL. You get to that point, you're not lazy. You made the NHL. There was a lot of blood, sweat, tears, money that went into you doing that, a lot of sacrifice that went into doing that. Once you get to the NHL, do you really want to be the guy that gets cut? Do you really want to be the guy that gets benched? Do you really want to be the guy that doesn't win? No, no player is wired like that. Nobody says that I'm going to go to the NHL and I'm just going to coast. That's not how this works. Uh, Even the veterans that you see where it's like they've earned their, their, their reputation and all of that, you still see them putting their bodies on the line, sometimes to their detriment, like Shea Weber. And this is not to be critical at all. I think it's more of a mentality around the game. But Shea Weber had a multitude of injuries going into a season and he played without saying a word up until he literally couldn't anymore and they had to put him on 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 the IR towards the end of the season and he just he kept playing and he would keep playing if his body hadn't completely given out over the off season it was like you know he literally saw that there was no possibility for him to play and so you know that's kind of how NHLers are wired and for me the fact that Max Domi isn't achieving his potential, he does have a role to play in it. There is his responsibility is a huge part of it. I don't want to say that it's always the coaching staff's responsibility or anything like that. But Max Domi is the kind of player who doesn't have, he's not self-starting as a lot of uh, job applications like to see. We <laughs> want you to be a self-starter, which means we want you to succeed without, without us really having to do much to train you or provide you with guidance and all of that. He's not a self-starter. Cole Caulfield's a self-starter. He is literally... His first his first game in the NHL, you saw him go into the areas that, you know, how much training could he have had with the team? How much practice could he have had with the team? And he already knew where to go and where to be and exactly how to anticipate the play. Some people have that. Max Domi does not. And so uh, somebody, I think Max Domi is is the embodiment of how the, the Montreal Canadiens were able to succeed in the playoffs was, uh, as Philippe Dano likes to say a lot, like, chacun a eu son rôle. Like, everybody had their role and a lot of the players uh throughout that that playoff run said you know everybody's doing 
what they're what is expected of them correctly everybody's executing like they're the word execution came up a lot even with luke richardson like that came like a role came a lot like assignment came up a lot and so you can see how a team that may not be as talented as the teams that they're beating may not be as good as the teams that they're beating are beating them through execution. That's, that's a hallmark of clear communication. And I think that Max Domi put in the right situation will be able to succeed. But I also think that the responsibility is his in that he doesn't seem to be very motivated to learn the defensive aspect of his game. So he's also less versatile. He gets used in fewer situations as a result of that. And that automatically means that you eventually get dropped down in the lineup or you don't score as many goals. And that's it for today's episode. We'd like to thank Jay Foster once again for his valuable insight. If you'd like to find Jay Foster on Twitter, he is at underscore Jacob, J-A-K-O-B, Foster, F-O-R-S-T-E-R, on Twitter. And the podcast is at L-O underscore Blue Jackets. In the meantime, if you'd like to follow us, we are at L-O underscore Canadians. You can email us at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. Please subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like this podcast, check out Locked On Bets for some advice on how to bet on all your favorite sports. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you on Wednesday.